Welcome to Revival from the Bible, daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. I played soccer in college, and during my junior year, one of my friends who played defense on our team, he decided to try a new warm-up routine from the beginning of the year. You see, in the offseason, he decided that he could play better during the game if he didn't interact with the rest of the team beforehand. So during warm-up, he would run on his own, stretch on his own, listen to his own music, do his own shooting drills, anything that he had to do during warm-up, he did by himself. During the first game, as all of us, the rest of the team, watched him do this, we laughed and kind of blew it off. But after a few games, we realized that this was a big problem. This guy was somewhat of a leader on the team, and his isolation strategy was starting to hurt the team. It started to breed an every-man-for-himself mentality. We were supposed to be a team fighting against our enemy, the other team, but instead we started to see a competition form among our own team, a fight for personal glory. It was all about personal stats and building a personal brand. Fortunately, this circus didn't last long. Of course, our coach had to step in and stop the nonsense and get the team back on track. It was amazing just how quickly the entire team culture was changed for good once he rejoined the team. God didn't design us as Christians to run this race alone, to fight our battles alone. You need other people. I need other people. And the people you need can only be provided by the Lord. We need to pray for God to surround us with godly, with mighty men and women so that we can serve the Lord the way that he's designed us to with others and not in isolation. Starting in 1 Chronicles 12 in our Old Testament reading, we see how God provided David with the men he needed to find physical and spiritual victory. 1 Chronicles 12.1 says this, Now these are men who came to David at Ziklag, while he could not move about freely because of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. Although David is not in a position to go and to recruit mighty men of war, God brought them to him in his time of need. And a verse that sums this up well is 1 Chronicles 12, 22. For from day to day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army like an army of God. Even though David could look around and see a mighty army at his command, he would always be reminded that it's God's army, that it was formed by the hand of God. The mighty men came to David to help him until there was a great army like an army of God. This is a great reminder for us as well. When we are strengthened, it is never by our own hand. We may look around and see a great army surrounding us, but let us never forget that that help It comes from the Lord, lest we become arrogant to think that it was by our own hand, by our own work that assembled such an army of help. Now let's draw our attention to our other Old Testament reading in Psalm 133. This is another song of ascent that would be sung as the Israelites, as these Jewish people completed their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It's a short song, a short psalm here, only three verses, so let's read it. Keep in mind what we just read about the unity of David's mighty Men, as we read this, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, 
which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Have you experienced what it's like to dwell in spiritual unity within a body of believers? David says that it's good and pleasant. And if you've experienced it, you know that it truly is. Think about it this way. Have you ever been on a boat of some kind that required you to row to generate the power? Well, if you're on that boat with several people, then you know how good and pleasant it is when each person is rowing in the same direction and at the same time in sync with each other. When we as a body of believers are all in sync, living by the word of God, dwelling in unity, it is such a refreshment. It really takes the load off of everyone around you. And when you're living in unity like that, you experience two things spiritual blessing, which is what I believe David is speaking of when he mentions the precious oil on the head and running down the beard. God blesses biblical unity. And when you're living in unity like that, you also experience refreshment and life. Mount Hermon was a tall peak at 9,200 feet, and its melting snow would provide water for the Jordan River. Biblical unity among a body of believers is like a constant source of cool refreshment that sustains and nourishes. As we look back at our reading in 1 Chronicles 12 and remember David's mighty men, let's remember that what made this unity special wasn't that they could go out and destroy people physically, although that certainly bonded that group of men, I would assume. But what was of first importance was their spiritual unity. They couldn't have accomplished what they did physically if they didn't have unity in the Lord. Now let's jump to our New Testament reading in Acts 2. Yesterday, we ended our time in Acts with the disciples waiting for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Well, today is the day that they receive him. A few interesting facts to note. The word Pentecost means 50th, and it's a reference to the Feast of Weeks. This feast was celebrated 50 days after Passover. It was one of the three feasts that Israel would travel to Jerusalem to partake in annually. So the psalm that we read today, Psalm 133, would have been sung most likely on the way to this exact feast. This Feast of Weeks was where Israel would offer their first fruits. So it's easy to see that the Holy Spirit was given as a first fruit of the Christian's inheritance. And we can see from the first four verses that this Spirit comes in dramatic fashion. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now these other tongues that Luke is speaking of here are other languages, and you can see reference to this in 1 Corinthians 14, 1-25. Further evidence is when devout Christian men from every nation respond by saying this in verse 8, and how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? And in verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And how did this crowd respond? Well, verse 12 says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But then Peter steps up to the mic and says, These men aren't drunk. But this is a foretaste of what Joel was saying in his prophecy. And I want to read Joel 2, 28-32, which says, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. It's important to note that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was not the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy here, but a foretaste of what's to come in the final day of the Lord, which is clearly the event that Joel is referring to. What's taking place at Pentecost in Acts 2, 16-21 is what Israel can and will experience as they repent at the final day of the Lord. And part of why we can be confident in this timing is because Joel's description in Joel 2, 30 and 31 is described with more detail in Revelation 6, 8, 9, and 16. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Joel, I'll put a link to a recent teaching on that book from the Minor Prophets class from Compass Classroom in the show notes. But then Peter continues giving a gospel presentation. In a way, Peter is saying, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ now for salvation. Don't wait until it's too late and you experience judgment on the day of the Lord. Jesus is the one whom David said he saw before him. Jesus is the promised Messiah. After a complete and thorough presentation of who Christ is and what he has done, it says that the audience was cut to the heart and they asked, what shall we do? And what does Peter say? Repent and be baptized and you will be saved and receive the Holy Spirit. And it says there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What an event. But now I want to focus on what happens next. I want to read verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here we see that God's game plan for unity among his people hasn't changed much from the Old Testament in the time of David and his mighty men that we read about earlier. True unity among God's people comes from God himself. And as New Testament Christians, we can learn a lot from these six verses. Just to name a few, we see the need for regular fellowship to meet one another's physical needs. We see the need for regular fellowship to meet one another's spiritual needs, to worship the Lord corporately, and to obey the taking of communion. Do you consistently partake in deep Christian fellowship? If not, why not? I think we can see from both our Old Testament and New Testament reading today is this. Deep Christian fellowship is born out of a heart of humility. First, we need to see it as a way to worship our God fully. Second, we need to see it as a way to serve others around us. And so often when we lack deep biblical fellowship, it's because we're focusing too much on ourselves. The great blessing of having deep friendships God's way, it really comes when we start by serving him and others. Then God blesses us through the sweet fellowship that follows. And I'll leave you with this. You need other people. I need other people. And the other people that we need can only be provided by the Lord. Pray for God to surround you with godly, with mighty men and women so that you can serve the Lord His way 
the way he's designed you to be with others. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today and Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.